Welcome back to the Der Show. Today was the last of the eight days of Hanukkah. Yesterday was um, uh, Christmas. And yesterday was really one of these, not rare times, but uh, times that don't occur every year when Hanukkah and Christmas are on the same day. And um, I helped celebrate it with my families, some of whom are Jewish, some of whom are Christians. And we celebrated uh, the two holidays together. Um, my 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 friends call it Krishnaka uh, uh, or or Hanukkah, um, but I don't want to demean uh, either holiday or either religion. So um, belated uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. Um, I still have COVID. Uh, I've spent Hanukkah and Christmas in bed largely, um, trying to take care of uh, myself. I was not able to take the. Uh, pharmaceutical um, because it doesn't mix well with one of the drugs that I'm taking. So my doctor prescribed um, chicken soup, um, which apparently has no side effects and interacts with, uh, with, with nothing. So it's, it's the perfect, uh, perfect cure. So let's hope it, it works, but I excuse myself in advance for a little bit of coughing and and sneezing. If that happens, I will uh, try my best to control myself. Uh, so actually, in the spirit of, of Christmas, I want to talk today about freedom of religion and how unusual it is um, in the world. You'll notice that um, um, King Charles delivered his Christmas uh, message uh, the other day, the first time as king, and he did something unique in, in 2000 years of uh, British history. Um, he included Hanukkah wishes. Uh, in his Christmas celebration, something Queen Elizabeth adamantly refused to do. Queen Elizabeth adamantly refused to recognize the fact that Great Britain has Jews and Muslims and Zoroastrians and uh, and atheists. Uh, she regarded herself as the defender of the faith, and for her, uh, Great Britain was a Christian country with an established church. You know, you hear all kind of complaints sometimes about Israel. Oh my God, it's a Jewish state. Israel doesn't have an established religion. Um, Islam, Judaism, Christianity are all uh, equal under the law. There's no actual preference under the law for Judaism, though obviously in practice there are there are more 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 Jews and Jewish holidays are recognized, etc. Along with Muslim uh, holidays, uh, but in Great Britain, Great Britain is officially an Anglican um, uh, country. The Anglican Church is the established church. Um, the Archbishop of Canterbury is a government employee, um, unlike in the United States. In fact, in the United States, uh, the First Amendment, Congress will make no law respecting an establishment of religion is a direct outgrowth of, of Great of Britain, because um, when the British colonies uh, existed in the United States, they had an established religion. And uh, it was the Church of England, um, the Episcopal Church, but the Church of England. And um, Thomas Jefferson um, disassociated himself from that church because he didn't want to be associated with England. He became, uh, like many others, uh, Baptists and uh, Presbyterians and uh, other kinds of um, congregationalists. Um, There was still some leftover Puritan somewhere in Massachusetts. We'll talk about them in just a minute. Uh, But it really took the First Amendment to... Uh, do uh, for the United States what Prince Charles is 
I think, moving to try to do to uh, Great Britain. It would not surprise me if his reign lasts long enough <clears throat> that he would actually end the establishment of the Anglican Church for Great Britain. Great Britain, after all, is citizens of every background, every ethnicity, um, its uh, prime minister, its chancellors have represented every conceivable uh, group and to regard it as an officially uh, Episcopal or Church of England or Anglican church is an anachronism. It's also um, unfair and unequal and, uh, and denies fundamental equality to people of different religions. And I think Prince Charles is the first monarch of England to recognize that and to try to do something about it even before he became king. He talked about um, in ways that made people think about perhaps as being um, in favor of disestablishment. You know, the, the, the longest word in the English language, we all learned it as kids, is anti-disestablishmentarianism. And of course, what that meant was there was a group in England who was in favor of disestablishing the Anglican church. And there were those who were against those who would disestablish the church. And so they were the anti-disestablishmentarians. And so now you know from a... Um, uh, trivial pursuit point of view, where that uh, longest word in the English language comes from. It comes from the history of Great Britain being an established church. So when the United States was first established, uh, every colony had um, an established uh, church. And in, in, in Massachusetts, where I spent most of my life, uh, the established church basically derived from Puritanism, uh, Cotton Mather, etc. Uh, Harvard University was founded by by Puritans. What people don't recognize is how oppressive Puritanism was and how intolerant they were. As I'm sure you know from seeing my background, I collect books, and so and not only collect them, I actually read them. And while I was in bed with uh, COVID, um, I was going back and reading some of my wonderful collection of books. And I came upon a volume published in 1814 in Boston called uh, Charters and General Laws of the Colony and Province of the Massachusetts Bay, um, etc. And in it, I found fascinating uh, law um, passed in 18, I'm sorry, in 1651, but it still apparently remained on the books until the 19th century, although I'm sure it was not enforced. And I think it was probably technically revoked. But if you opened up the case book of, um, of, of 1814, you'd find this statute. Believe it or not, this is a statute. I am reading it from the actual book um, that governed the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Whoever shall be found observing any such day as Christmas, with small c, or the like, either by forbearing labor, in other words, taking the day off, not going to work, maybe going to church, feasting, or in any other way upon any such account as foresaid, every such person so offending shall pay for every such offense five shillings as a fine to the county. In other words, it was an actual crime to celebrate a Christmas. It was a crime not to go to work on, on Christmas. The Puritans regarded Christmas as a pagan holiday. Um, 
or as a holiday to be celebrated by the dreaded Catholics. The Catholics were the most hated group uh, among the, the Puritans. And in fact, the same statute book provides um, as follows. Um, any Jesuit or spiritual or ecclesiastical person as they are harmed ordained by the authority of the Pope uh, or See of Rome, in other words, any Catholic, um, shall henceforth repair or come within this jurisdiction. And if any person shall give good cause or suspicion that he is one of such uh, society or other, or other society of Jesus, the Jesuits, um, he shall be brought before the magistrate and shall, and then it goes on to say, be banished uh, or imprisoned. But, goes one step further, if any person so banished be taken the second time within this jurisdiction upon lawful trial and conviction, he shall be put to death. In other words, Massachusetts in the um, 17th century will had a law calling for the execution of, of Jesuits. And of course, part of the reason why some of the states, Rhode Island and Georgia were established was in response to the bigotry of, of Massachusetts. And Massachusetts was the most bigoted of states. And of course, the same people who wrote these laws conducted the witch trials in, in Salem and founded Harvard University, um, which, you know, it's now many years since, <clears throat> but the bigotries um, have changed, but they haven't uh, disappeared. Of course, as you know, Harvard in the 20th century was incredibly anti-Catholic, um, anti-Semitic, um, anti-everything, um, even anti-some of the Protestant denominations, um, but primarily anti-Catholic and anti uh, Jewish. Nobody, by the way, is taking down the statutes of a Lawrence Lowell or the, the holes named after him who was responsible for the bigotry uh, of Harvard persisting so long into the, into the 20th century. But you needn't worry because Massachusetts improved itself. And by the time the um, Constitution was enacted uh, and the Bill of Rights were passed, uh, Massachusetts abolished that, that um, uh, discrimination against J Jesuits. And here's what the law said in, let's see what the year was. This is another old book, 1806. This is a book that has all the, all the state constitutions uh, basically at the time of the Bill of Rights and, and, and thereafter. It says, every denomination of Christians that demean themselves properly and as good subjects of the commonwealth shall be equally under the protection of the law and no subordination of any sect or denomination of Christianity that was the point only of Christianity to another 
shall ever be established by law. In other words, this statute gave full rights to Catholics. Catholics were still not being elected uh, and were still not really being given full, full rights. Um, other points of the statute made it clear that the only denominations that were supported by the state and by the counties were Protestant denominations. Um, and of course, Jews weren't even mentioned. Um, in some states, Jews couldn't hold office. Um, in Great Britain, uh, they couldn't hold office well into the 18th century unless they took an oath to, um, to Jesus. And um, that persisted. That persisted. Um, even though the Bill of Rights said Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, that applied only to the federal government. In fact, the reason behind the First Amendment was the fact that Virginia was Baptist and, and Anglican, uh, Massachusetts was Congregationalist, formerly Puritan. Um, other states had different official state religions and the First Amendment was intended to deny Congress, the federal government, the power to pick and choose among the Christian religions and decide which Christian religion, which Protestant Christian religion, Catholics were out of the running, obviously, which Protestant Christian denomination would be given special establishment by the United States government. So the United States government did not want to get into the kind of war that um, European countries had gotten into the hundred years wars, all those wars were at least in form um, uh, an outgrowth of, of differences in religion, even civil wars within Great Britain are, were uh, about religion. They were about other things as well, usually, but at least they purported to be about religion. And the United States didn't want that. And so the First Amendment had nothing, nothing to do with um, uh not not with the states not establishing religions, they were free to do it. And they did. Um, uh, Thomas Jefferson opposed it in Virginia and got Virginia to pass uh, a statute uh, that did not uh, establish uh, a state religion, but Massachusetts had state religion well into the 19th century. How did that all change? It changed, obviously, through the 14th Amendment. And uh, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which had nothing to do with religion. It was, they were three of them were all about um, the abolition of slavery, the end of the Civil War, basically the peace treaty between the North and the South um, after the Civil War, uh, had nothing to do expressly with religion. But the 14th Amendment, according to the Supreme Court, incorporated the First Amendment and made it applicable to the states. And so once the 14th Amendment was established, the states were as bound by the First Amendment and the Second Amendment and other amendments as were the state, as, were, as was the federal government. And it was therefore only then, only in the middle of, of, the, 19, of the 1860s, um, that uh, freedom of religion or freedom from the establishment of any religion was became a national um, uh, right, and um, and and every state had to follow Virginia. Massachusetts could no longer prefer um, Christianity 
over Judaism or or when by the by the way by Christianity it always meant Protestantism. So Massachusetts could no longer prefer Protestantism um, over over Catholicism. It, it it continued to do so in practice. In fact, anti-Catholicism was rampant in Massachusetts when I became an assistant professor at Harvard in 1964. You know, in 1964, I was one of the first Jewish Jews on the faculty, one of the first Jews who was overtly Jewish and who was proud of his heritage and, and talked openly about it and belonged to Jewish uh, organizations. And there was beginning to have a smattering of Jews on the faculty, not so with ethnic Catholics. Um, there was still rampant discrimination against Irish Catholics and Italian Catholics uh, particularly. And I fought against that very hard in the years that um, um, I was at Harvard. And I think finally that that has ended uh, too. Um, and um, so Harvard has not only a heritage of slavery and racism, we all know about that and the reckoning that's going on, but uh, there were other reckonings that should be had too. Harvard has to reckon with its long history of anti-Catholicism, its long history of anti-Semitism, its long history, like all universities, of anti-homosexuality and um, anti-Islam and um, you name it. If it's anti, Harvard was part of it. And so was Yale. And so was Princeton. These are schools that all had quotas, uh, anti-Jewish quotas. They didn't have anti-Catholic quotas. It just didn't take anybody. Um, I mean, hardly. Uh, if you were Irish Catholic, if your name was uh, obviously Irish Catholic or obviously Italian Catholic, the discrimination against you was, was rampant. And President Lowell was very overt about it. So if you're going to have a reckoning, there should probably be reckonings of different kinds. And I think, you know, reckonings are are, are, are a good thing. But, um, you know, thank God for the First Amendment. Um, I mean, that literally, um, it's the First Amendment that really went incorporated by the 14th Amendment that uh, turned America into uh, the most freedom-loving country. Now, there were individuals uh, who saw it before then. George Washington uh, was a great uh, egalitarian when it came to religion. He wrote a letter to the Jews of Newport, uh, Rhode Island, where the first synagogue was built, in which he said, you know, of toleration, we shall no longer speak as if one group operates by the sufferance of the other. In our country, bigotry has no sanction. As long as the people of Abraham, meaning the Jews, um, of course, Abraham was the father of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, but but Jefferson meant the Jews. As long as they sit under their fig tree and 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 love America and and are loyal to America, they will be as equal as anyone else. So Washington saw this even before the framers of the Constitution uh, saw it, and um, and I think that letter to the to the Jews of Newport is one of the most important documents in world history when it comes to religious tolerance. It was the first time any sovereign of any country ever created equality for Jews. Uh, it took the British another uh, 60, 70 years. It took the French some 20 years or 30 years. Um, some countries, 
it never happened. Um, and in other countries, it took 100 years. But George Washington was the first. And, you know, people sometimes understate Washington's greatness and, and influence um, and, and insight and intelligence. Um, uh, he was, you know, not regarded as among the most uh, brilliant of the founding fathers, a, a pretty good group uh, when you include Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and Alexander Hamilton, and James Madison, and I name only the most obvious, uh, never has any country uh, been founded by so eminent and so brilliant uh, a group of, of uh, intellectuals, um, certainly not early in the 18th century, uh, like, like uh, the United States uh, was, was established. Um, Washington was among them. Um, Washington saw the future. Um, he wasn't perfect. He supported the Alien Sedition Acts. Um, he did other things. Uh, as you know, I have a letter that I own in which Washington demanded that all the troops be inoculated because he feared that uh, we could lose the Revolutionary War, not to the British, but to smallpox. So I'm a great fan of, of, of George Washington. He's one of the few leaders. Um, Nobody is without flaws. He his wife owned slaves, obviously. But among the leaders of the world, uh, he has to be um, very, very highly regarded when you take into account uh, everything he did. And um, even, even at his death, having all of his slaves freed, not enough, obviously, to justify ever having owned and enslaved a human being, but people have to be judged uh, by their times. And judged by his times, uh, you know, the Bible talks about Noah in the book of Genesis and says he was righteous in his generation. Um, everybody has to be judged uh, in their generation. And uh, Washington scales the heights of greatness, uh, not only in his generation, but in almost any generation. So um, uh, belated Merry Christmas, um, Happy Hanukkah, and be thankful that you don't live in the Puritan Massachusetts of, um, of 16, uh, whatever, um, when Catholics were banned, Christmas was outlawed, and uh, uh, witches were burned. Um, uh, you may complain about America in 2022, and I have plenty of complaints, but they pale in comparison to what we would have been thinking had we been living back in the day if any of us had been allowed to live, if we expressed the kinds of views expressed on this on this show. So appreciate America. Uh, let's turn now to some to some letters. Um, uh, you'll recall about uh, tax returns was the subject, and this is a very thoughtful letter. I never believed there was a legitimate legislative purpose in Congress seizing Trump's tax returns. The Supreme Court should have put a halt to it. Or even if even if I'm wrong about that, and even if I could view legislative purpose more liberally and accept more seemingly abusive investigations, Congress hasn't even bothered to articulate any reason, let alone a reasonable one, based on legitimate legislative purpose for releasing the returns to the to the public. I think that's absolutely, absolutely correct. And I think the Supreme Court will rue the day that it rendered its ill-advised decision allowing tax returns to be turned over to Congress unconditionally and based on the most transparently fraudulent uh, reasons. Okay. 
America needs to see the tax returns of all. And then he uses Democrats, spelling with capital rats, in the Senate. Precedent is set time for action. Well, be interesting what would happen if Congress did pass a law or if the Supreme Court did allow somehow all elected officials' tax returns to be made public. In the short term, that would probably be a good thing. <clears throat> On the other hand, how many people would want to run for public office if they knew all of their tax returns would have to be made public? People like you and me, probably, that would be okay because we have nothing to hide, but there are a lot of wealthy businessmen who would um, not want their tax returns to be made public. And, you know, we have enough trouble attracting good people to run for, for Congress, and we haven't done such a good job of it, um, that do we want to impose even more burdens? Um, okay. Uh, your Hanukkah <clears throat> homily was great. Your singing voice, well, actually, I have a better singing voice than that. That was my COVID singing voice. I was a choir boy as a kid, and my grandfathers were both uh, cantors. So I, I don't have a bad singing voice at all, but I didn't show it off uh, in its best uh, the other day singing um, the candle lighting Hanukkah service. So uh, next year I'll do it again and Hopefully, my voice will be a little better. Happy Hanukkah, Professor. My vote for the most important world event of the 21st century would be Apple's release of the first iPhone on June 29th, 2007. A truly amazing legacy. Boy, that, that really deserves to be up there. I mean, I it would have happened if Apple hadn't done it. Some other company would have done it. That's in the nature of things. But Smartphones have revolutionized the world in ways that uh, nobody could have uh, anticipated, um, both for better and for worse, like all inventions, uh, like all new breakthroughs. This was more than an invention. This was a, a change in character of the world. It connected the world. It created an opportunity to be in touch with uh, people. It also um, allowed uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, uh, hor horrible views to be expressed uh, more quickly and more widely around the world. And that's true of every single invention of any importance. It's always had positives and it's always had negatives. Okay. Um, a couple more. Oh, these are two interesting hypotheticals. I mean, remember I said that Hamilton um, didn't believe that you needed a Bill of Rights because the Constitution itself didn't give Congress any power to suppress free speech or to establish a religion. Uh, and Hamilton believed, Hamilton who helped write the Constitution, believed that the Constitution gave limited powers <clears throat> to Congress. And if Congress didn't have the power to suppress free speech, you didn't need the First Amendment. It didn't have the power to um, um, regulate guns, so you didn't need a Second uh, Amendment. Um, I think Hamilton was was wrong. Uh, oh, let, let me read the letter first. If we followed Hamilton's view and had no Bill of Rights, um, would it be assumed that that everyone had free speech and assumed the right to have a gun? were just assumed in Hamilton's time. Do you think Congress by now would have passed laws restricting free speech and gun bans? Yes, of course. And that's why Hamilton was wrong. Um, 
yeah, Congress had no power to suppress speech, but it, it surely had the power to conduct criminal investigations. Um, and if it conducted investigations, it might violate people's right of privacy. And so the Fourth Amendment, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, homes, places, et cetera, that was important. Uh, just because Congress doesn't have the power to do something uh, doesn't mean they can't violate rights when they do have the power. And Congress does have much power to regulate commerce, et cetera. And they can do it in ways that infringe on rights that are now well recognized in the Bill of Rights. So, you know, I think at the end of his days, which were too short, uh, Hamilton understood the need for a, a Bill of Rights. By the way, Massachusetts enacted a Bill of Rights, but it, it applied only to Christians when it came to uh, religion. And a number of other states had had bills of rights, but they weren't they weren't uh, substantial enough. Uh, would Hamilton's views of the Bill of Rights uh, be used to find a woman's right to abortion in the basis of the Constitution does not give the government uh, the authority to regulate the choice, particularly in the early stages of a pregnancy? It's an interesting question. But remember, Hamilton think, thought all those powers reside in the states. And Roe versus Wade and uh, the cases that followed it uh, all related to state um, legislation um, um, limiting or, or prohibiting abortion. So the issue would have been the same at least until um, the 14th Amendment. Then, then it, it would have raised uh, very, very interesting problems. All right. Leo Frank's death by sentence with Leo Frank's death sentence was commuted by the Georgia governor. That's true. Um, uh, I actually wrote a play about it and I gave it out to my students and it, it's going to appear in, in, in my new book on uh, life and death. That's going to come out in a couple of months. The mob lynching was an angry reaction to that act. It wasn't just a reaction. It was stimulated by bigots, um, 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 particularly um, a couple of them who ran newspapers in the Atlanta, Georgia uh, area. And it was very well-coordinated lynching. Uh, it, it was attended by ministers, um, by members of uh, the legislature. Um, everybody knew who was there and nobody was prosecuted because the law enforcement authorities said, whoops, we have no idea who was there. People were actually selling pieces of the rope and they were selling pictures of the of the lynching, as, as this letter says, pretty horrible history. It was a horrible history. And I hate to end on on that note. Um, uh, let the fading light of, uh, of Hanukkah candles uh, and of Christmas trees still continue to uh, brighten your days and uh, see you tomorrow, hopefully with uh, less phlegm and fewer coughs. <clears throat>